Welcome back to the 150K Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Graham. And today I have my special guest, George Calantis. He's a former sergeant in the U.S. Marine Corps. He is the author of a book soon to be released called Nowhere to Go. He is also a podcaster and the CEO founder of The Art of Tough Transitions. Uh, You're going to love this episode, this interview. I'm super excited to get to talk with my friend on this. Um, So without much further ado, let's go. Well, hey, that was a little bit different. I've already done the intro, Um, but I have my good buddy George here today. And George, for people that don't know your story or your background or anything, give us a little bit of like a snapshot version of who you are, your story, because that's why people are here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, snapshots are so hard. <laughs> well, take as well, long see. as you want. You're good. You're good. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, I mean, um, well, Joseph Campbell, he said it best, right? He's the author and famous uh, mythologist that wrote, you know, the hero of a thousand faces and talk about the hero journey. So if everything starts with a story, then I guess that's where we'll begin, right? So for me, um, like many people, my story started when I was very young. And people always ask me, you know, how, how do you develop resiliency in life? How do you do the things you did? You, you've overcome so many things. And yes, I credit a lot of my time in the Marine Corps to help me, but I also credit the hardships that I went through as, as a young boy and young man. And um, that really taught me a lot about hard work ethic and discipline. And really, while you feel like an outcast to continue to move forward no matter what. And so when I was a young man, I experienced, you know, my parents divorced, like many people, and I was told to grow up and be a man. So words, not so harsh, but also very harsh, because what does to be a man mean? I had no clue at at six. And so all I did was watch and observe as a six year old to grow up and be a man. And that meant work hard, provide, uh, show no emotions, all the things. Yep. (laughs) And, uh, so that was my life. And I, I was proving myself with anything I ever did. So I had to join the military, but it wasn't enough to just join any service. I had to join the Marines because you had to be the best of the best to prove that I was worthy. So I did that 10 years, chased success and, and crazy things in the Marine Corps as well. And did a lot of cool stuff. I mean, I was on um, top duties in the Marine Corps, deployed a few times, promoted ahead of my peers, all the cool stuff. And that was going well until the end of the Marine Corps, I ran into some trouble with alcohol, got a DUI, and I carried a lot of shame and guilt around that. Mm-hmm. And while it was the only first, only time I really got into trouble in the Marine Corps, I chose to leave the ranks when I was halfway through retirement. And so that shame continued to carry with me after the Marine Corps and also the feeling that I wasn't enough to be a man, that I was a failure. So that repeated that cycle. And so when I left the Marine Corps, I felt lost. I felt scared. I felt broken. I didn't know what a man was supposed to do at 27. So I thought men get married, get a career, get a grad degree and bam, here's life. So (laughs) there I was, that's exactly what I did. I checked off the boxes. Everything felt like a checklist. I had no reason to believe those things, but inside my, my ego, my story was telling me those things did it all. Next thing I know, birth of my daughter, marriage, all those things. And within a short time frame, I was getting a divorce, which forced me into a darker time into a place where I almost took my life. And so that's my story in a nutshell. And here I am today. Wow. And, and you unwrapped a ton 
in just that little bit. So I want to start at the beginning, um, growing up and, uh, and thank you for your service. I, I mean, going and being in the Marine Corps and doing that. I mean, I thank you for doing that. That's, that's amazing. You mentioned this right in the very beginning. What is it to be a man? And I think that is something that almost every man I've talked to has that same, we have this misconception of what it is compared to what it really should be. So for my listeners listening to your story and all, I'm assuming now it's changed from being the attack, fix, do, protect person into a different uh, persona. So what does being a man mean to you now compared to like when you were growing up? Oh, yeah, that's that's a. Interesting question. You know, I don't have that full answer figured out. I'm still honestly figuring that out. So I'm going to start with that because mm-hmm. if we're going to be truthful, uh, that starts with that. But to me, being a man is, 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 a, is a human of character, a, a man of character. It's not defined by gender roles or anything. Um, it's really about being aligned with your, with your truth, with your words, your thoughts, your actions, and your behaviors. Right? And that allows you to develop values and characteristics and traits that actually drive you forward, that make you stand up for what you believe in. And so most men, from what I understand, is that we have this disconnect between who we are and who we think we need to be. Yep. And so we create these paradigms in life based on social norms, gender roles, uh, religion, sex, whatever, you name it. And it really confuses the hell out of us, right? Mm-hmm. And so to me, being a man in today's world means that I am aligned with my values, my thoughts, my behaviors, my choices, and my actions. And they all are allowing me to show up to the world as who I want to be. Yeah, no, that's good. And that's hard because I like, I know I've gone through, I'm 44. So I've gone through tons of different changes. I grew up in the Midwest where if you you didn't show emotion, like you mentioned that, your emotion would be anger. That was the only emotion a man was allowed to have. And now I have a family and kids too. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I can't just show anger. I have to show love, empathy, compassion, and just going through that whole phase. Um, what were some ways that helped you? Because it sounds like you went through like a whole crazy time in your life and trying to find yourself. What were some ways that helped you get out of, like you said, at the end, you almost got to the point where you were committed suicide. What helped you get out of that to the person you are now? Yeah. So the, the biggest thing was I realized that the lone wolf doesn't survive. Yep. <laughs> Meaning you can't do this alone. So for anyone out there listening, if you're in a tough spot, a dark spot, wherever you may be, reach out for help. Yeah. Call a friend, join a men's group, join a women's group, you know, go to therapy, hire a coach, whatever it is, like talk to someone. And that was my first step. So I had denied therapy and all these things for many years. In fact, in the Marine Corps, I was diagnosed with depression and I ripped out the medical record. So no one ever knew before they went digital. Yep. Right? <laughs> so, I mean, I'm 37, not that old, but like, right. You know, in the Marine Corps in 2002, the things weren't digital yet. 2003 things were digital. So rip that sucker out. No one knew. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so get help and don't be afraid of the things that you're facing and feeling because repression leads to depression and isolation and this feeling that maybe you aren't enough things like that. And so reach out to the second part was I started to eliminate all the distractions in my life Mm 
Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that was the first was my relationship with sex because I went through a harsh divorce. It made me feel unworthy again. And that was a repetitive pattern. And so with, with the help of my coach and with the help of my own, like own doings, I, I went a whole year from abstaining from dating, sex, masturbation, porn, and all of the things. And that really taught me about who I was as a man and what I needed and what I wanted and how to balance those things and not use my, not attach my masculinity to an external value. Yeah. And that no, that's massive. good. That's, that's yeah. Cause I, like, as a man, just thinking about that, I like going a year, that's wow. And, and so how did that, can you dig a little bit deeper? Because now you've intrigued me. Was it because you were finding meaning in sex or was it more the. Oh, I wasn't finding any meaning in sex. It was a mindless uh, masterpiece mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, to make me feel like a man. So gotcha. uh, my marriage ended uh, in cheating. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, you know, we can co-parent well, things like that, which are, which is awesome. Uh, but at the time that made me feel like shit. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> right. So, uh, because I felt unworthy, I felt like I had to have sex with lots of women to feel worthy. So ah, my worthiness you. came from external validation. Mm-hmm. And that actually is the, was the driver to where I found myself alone, almost ready to take my life. Gotcha. Because it was like, you didn't feel anymore in a lot right. of ways. Yeah. Right. You were trying to just like, and people can do this in sex and business in anything that they throw themselves into body, but in whatever it is, trying to find an external instead of going into yourself and becoming who you should be. Yeah. So I, I wrote a whole thing, an essay in my book. Um, it's called um, Shields. And I talk about that. So I went through this, this dark period uh, where it was about three or four months where I got really into like BDSM and like that type of thing, like those types of relationships and really treated women as they were unbreakable, not meaning that I didn't care for them, but really bodies, their minds, their hearts, and their boundaries all around. And it taught me a lot about who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I need those women as much as they needed me in their lives. But at that moment, I realized like, what was I doing? You know, I, I had no connection, no intimacy, no nothing. All the things that I craved inside, I couldn't receive because I didn't believe it. Gotcha. So that's, what, that's when I chose to just stop it all. Yeah. Well, it's like what you were looking for wasn't there. Right. I was running. That's why my book is called Nowhere to Go. Yeah. And, and I like to do this in the middle. We definitely aren't done. But where can people, I know you're going to be doing a pre-launch. That's September 30th. Is that correct? September 28th. Yeah. September 28th. Where can they find your book and just some stuff on you? I just always do it in the middle. That way people who either catch the beginning or the ending, they don't miss where they can connect. Yeah. Yeah. So the best way is to really connect with me on Facebook or Instagram. You know, Facebook, you just look George Calantis. I'll be there. I know there's a million others, but I should pop up pretty quick. And then Instagram, it's underscore George Calantis. Um, my website, the art of tough transitions.com is being rebranded right now. So it's in maintenance mode that will be available in about 10 days. Um, and when that's launched, that will have all the things about the book, all the free stuff, all the courses, all that good stuff. No, that's awesome. My friend. No, man, that's awesome. Yeah. Go check his stuff out. Follow him on Facebook, get the stuff. He's definitely going to help you. Um, so going back to what we we're talking about with that, George. So you're in a dark place. You're, you're going through things. You're trying things externally that's not working. And then 
what made you start to, because I know you do stuff like with breath work and inner healing and stuff like that. What made you even go toward that? Because men that I know mostly are not willing to, when most of the time we just, we, we try to fix it ourselves and we don't ask for help. Well, here's the thing, man. I, I lost everything. So I had nothing to lose, like legitimately nothing to lose and everything to gain. Right. And so I just looked at my life and I said, what the fuck? Like, okay, like what I was doing was not working, clearly. And if I kept doing it, I wouldn't be here today. And so I said, okay, I have a daughter. You know, I'm miserable in my career. I'm miserable in my love, like all these things. And so hiring a coach was my first step. And that happened to be like the creation of his own men's group at the same time. And I went to my first retreat ever. I didn't tell anybody. I just took off. I told my mm-hmm. ex-wife because like she had my daughter, went off the grid, bam, breath work and shadow work and all these things. I had no clue what was going on. And uh, I wrote about a little bit in my book. And that was the birth of like this new man that I am today, because I had released so much and connected with humans in a different level that I haven't had in years. And uh, I joined the men's group. And I started doing the work. And what I mean by doing the work is I took a look at my life bit by bit and stopped running and accepted it all and realized that like I'm here today because of my story. So I didn't want to be afraid of my story. I actually wanted to own my story. Mm -hmm. And by hopefully owning my story, I could help someone else in a darker place that I was. And hopefully they didn't get to that place, right? Because most of us, we will run from our pain, right? And the only way through it is to let our heart feel and to let our heart actually heal our heart. And you can only do that by acceptance. And sometimes acceptance is this massive word, but surrender is also a beautiful word. You know, when you surrender to your life and you surrender to things that are unfolding, you can find a lot of the things that you seek because you're going within instead of externally. Mm-hmm. No, no, I agree with you. So like I went to my first mastermind and it was like a sales one, but it actually turned into a sales healing retreat. I had no idea um, in May. And that's where I met our friend, George Bryant. Um, he was one of the guests there, but just, I, I agree with you on that. Finding a group that you can be, I think for men, for sure, be you and be vulnerable, which is hard. I think. Cause I like, again, I grew up in that era of you had to be tough and sitting and doing the breath work or like I can do like eight minutes. So like I can meditate for eight minutes after I have to time myself because after that I'm fidgeting around. And, but I I agree with you. It's just getting into that, that place where you can start to heal. Yeah. You have to find people who want to lift you up. And most of your everyday, everyday environment, they subconsciously like sabotage your, your personal growth, like your true potential, your truest self not because they, they want to do it on purpose, but because like, as Joseph Campbell says with the hero's journey, like that is your ordinary world. And so we, we have what will be called, what, what Joseph Campbell calls like calls to action every day in our life. Yet we reject them because it's, it's, we can't hear them. We're not ready to hear them yet. Mm-hmm. And so at one point, the things that make us change it's like our smack in the face, right? Like our, it's like on our initiation to change and we cross that threshold and then we move into the unknown by accepting it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden things, we meet mentors, we meet people, we do all these crazy things. And next thing you know, you're in another cycle. Yep. And it changes. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. 
like five years ago, I was in a really bad place um, just for me, myself, and just with my sales job with life and not feeling like I could, you know, cover as a man because we were on food stamps. I was working two jobs, doing sales. And now I'm to the point where I've gone through that and had to accept it to where now I'm actually, you know, making good money. My wife can stay home and do what she wants, which is good. Um, but I think, like you said, it's, I don't think people do it on purpose. I, I agree with you there. I think it's just that it's a natu- natural tendency of them to respond that way by their environment or, or how they're brought up or thoughts or stuff like that. Yeah. To, to, to dig a little bit deeper. It's not that we're doing these things because we want to, we want to change, right? It's that most of the time we are hardwired for these subconscious familiar patterns, Mm -hmm. meaning that they're the things that we saw growing up, the things that happened to us as children. Right. And so that's why in order to do the work, like I always get people to move their bodies first, Mm -hmm. Because when they're moving their bodies, they, they feel a little bit better and then they can like dig deeper. Right. I don't just go into deep work and like say, all right, let's do it. Right. Like I want you to move good and feel better first, especially when you're having a challenging time and then go into it. So if you can understand that there, no matter where your life is at, right, you have a pattern in your life and a story that was created that is probably sabotaging your personal growth. And mm-hmm. preventing you from truly unlocking your potential. Yeah, no, I agree. Maybe, maybe it's in your health. Maybe it's in your wealth. Maybe it's in your family, your friends, whatever, right? There's something there that is blocking your true potential. And until you go back to find out where that story started, you're probably never going to really be able to break free from those chains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that, that whole self-act, yeah, accusate ac- I can't say it. The word is not coming to my mouth right. Um, re- re- figuring out who you really are. I was trying to use a big word, it didn't work. So I'm just going to say Sorry. it that way. Um, it, it's something that you need to do. And like we moved a thousand miles away from our family just so that we could start finding who we were. Not that they're bad people, but like you said, that environment that you grow up in, the people that you're around, how they perceive you, and then you play your role. And you have to get to the point where you don't want to play your role anymore. Like, I want to play my role, who I really am, not who someone else thinks I should be, because I only get one trip around, you know, one trip here. Yeah. I mean, I I joke in my, well, I don't uh, used to joke about it. Now I don't joke about it. But I wrote in my book, I said, if I ever returned to New Hampshire, it would be the death of me. And it is the death of me in many different forms. But now I look at it and say, okay, like, I can't go back and write that sentence in my book. But I'm looking at it now and saying, like, okay, since I'm growing, like, it's a death in many different forms, not just the, the death of like that almost occurred, the physical death, but like the death of, you know, the, the relationships, the death of the careers, the death of the Marine, like all these things are happening. And I, and I, now I truly believe like I had to be back in New Hampshire for it to happen mm-hmm. or I would have kept running. And whenever this is settled, I don't know when it is, whenever the universe says it's time, then I'll probably move my life a little bit further away, but not too much. I have a daughter. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And, and again, stuff that's important for you that you want to stay connected with. I'm a dad too. So hundred percent kids. Yeah. We're, we're always going to have them in our lives on purpose. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about, so you say you did some shadow work for people that might not know what that is. Cause like a lot of people who listen to my podcast are entrepreneurs, sales professionals just starting out and they probably lean on more of the side of the go-getters, drivers, drivers, and maybe some of them haven't had that reckoning yet. What is shadow work? 
Or what do you mean by it's, shadow work? It's just that like dark side of you that you don't want to admit. All right. That, uh, that's, that's how I look at it. Like it, we all have the area in life that we try so hard to act like it's not there. Mm-hmm. Right. And maybe we're doing all these amazing things in life. And then bam, you have a regression. Bam, you have a regression. But it's not the type of regression that happens once in a while. It's the thing that keeps repeating over and over and over in your life. Right? So, so Carl like- Young, Carl Young, he's the famous Swiss psychologist who done that work. You can look more about it. But essentially, until we make that darkness light by going inward, like until we make the unconscious conscious the shadow side of us will forever rule our lives. So would that be just to dig just a hair deep, but would that be more like acknowledging that, Hey, I have an issue doing dealing with this and then starting to at least first acknowledge it and then improve on it so that I have more control over it. Am I like kind of reading you correctly with that? Yeah. Yeah. So awareness is your first step around that pattern and then going deeper into it right? Like befriending it. So I I write about this in my book, how I saw it is. So I have this dark side of depression in me in Mm -hmm. that I call it the shadow side. Like it prevents me from loving. It prevents me from being happy. It prevents me from like really going on to do all these amazing things. And so in order to like move with that, I had to have conversations with him every day. Mm -hmm. Okay. What do you want today? What do you look like? What do you feel like? Where do you come from? Like, all these things. Right. And I learned that by reading and taking courses and working with other people and sooner than later, like the shadow is still there. I have a conversation with him every morning. He's just not as big as he used to be because I'm befriending, I'm feeding him. Like I'm going deeper with him versus trying to run or just going wider. Right. So you're, you're addressing the issue. And so, because you're actually paying attention to it, if not something that just pulls you back for sure. Okay, cool. I was just trying to make sure I understood that more in detail there. Um, yeah. So you do coaching as well. I saw that on your website. Tell us a little bit more about that because I saw like some breathwork coaching. And then there was another aspect of coaching you do. Oh, yeah. So uh, I did some experimental breath coaching over the last few months because I'm launching that with my book. Um, but breathwork, it's a live breathwork session. And I think of uh, live breathwork sessions as like therapy in a funnel. We're not going to like talk. We're going to use your body to release years and decades of repressed emotions, meaning, and I know if you're looking at that probably scares the shit out of you, (laughs) Yep. Um, (laughs) but what, what that means is that if you aren't fully breathing, you aren't fully leaving. So breath work is a way to really shut off that little voice inside your head or that overactive nervous system, that fight or flight that I got to get done. I got to do this. I got to do that. Mm -hmm. And it allows you to just be with everything you are. Because you're breathing in a way that you're not used to, you're allowing more blood and oxygen to your body, to your brain, to shut off the nervous system that pr- like produces all that stress and anxiety and just allows you to be and feel. And so when you transform the way you feel inside by breathing, you transform everything else on the outside. That's nice. breath work in a nutshell. So that will like help like you release stress and all that type oh, of yeah. stuff as well. Yeah. And it's called breath work for a reason. It's very hard. Yeah, it's I've done difficult. one or like, two want, little breath things. I want to put things. that out there. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I, it's really hard. Yeah. So I'll I, be doing a, like, for those who buy the book the week of the launch, like, that will include a breathwork session with it. So it's going to be pretty powerful. Um, and then coaching. My coaching is, uh, it's a three-tiered system. 
and it's all it's based off the hero's journey so we do your initiation then your departure from your ordinary world and then as you cross the threshold usually it's a three month or six month program as you cross the threshold after you're done your initiation and your departure and you learn a little bit more about who you are and where you came from then you discover how to trust yourself in the unknown by challenging your body in different ways breath work training harder taking yoga classes, whatever it is, like we talk about it one-on-one, depending on where you're at. Mm-hmm. And then the last phase is teaching you how to release everything that you just learned. So you can learn to be who you are and that those who do not serve you or that need that you feel like you always have to be liked and loved by everybody, that goes out the window. So you understand that everything you need comes from within. And when you, <clears throat> excuse me, when you love yourself first, that's how you get to do cool shit in life. No, that's, that's really cool. So do you focus more on men with that or men and women? Do you have like both, both, you know what? Actually, I have, um, I have a small client base right now because I had to write the book. So I stopped all of last year. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's actually all women right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And a lot of my breathwork sessions were men though Mm -hmm. recently. Well, but I think from what you're saying there again, because we were talking about it earlier, women are more, and this is a blanket statement. I know that this doesn't apply to everyone, but women seem to be more in tune with themselves and willing to face their stuff more so than men. I could be wrong, but that's at least been no, my that's, experience. That's the truth. Women are, are, are generally more in tune with their emotions and what they need to do because they've been having that since like they were little girls groups, mother and daughter time, all of these things. And like guy time usually is like, let's go watch sports and like do this cool shit and all this yep, stuff. Yep. Right. Which is awesome. Don't get me wrong. We need that, but we also need to be real with each other too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I agree. I think finding your tribe or group that you can do that with is key for men for sure. Because yeah, yeah that's, that's definitely one that I, I fight with at times because I am definitely that typical go fix do type of dude. Yeah. And so like, that's the one-on-one. And then when the book launches, I'm also doing a six week, like virtual coaching book club with it. And it's going to follow the concepts in the book because the book is not a five-step process or a 10 step process, your pain, your story. All of our stories are each too unique for me to give you a process to follow along with the book. Mm-hmm. So I break it down into different modalities that allow you to find out where you're at so you can move through it. And, it, and that's going to be six weeks and we're going to do breath work together. We're going to face your inner child stories and all those things. We're going to go backwards first to get forward. And that's a six week process that walks you through the book. No, that's really cool. I also saw on your page or maybe in our group that you are in the top, is it hundred of media writers on medium? Yeah. So it's not the top. I wish it the top 100, uh, top 1000. I hit the top 1000 three months in a row this summer, which is pretty cool because medium is a massive platform. I mean, there must mm-hmm. be over 10,000 writers or so. So I do a lot of, um, weekly journaling on there. It's legitimately a place where I let everything out from my head and into my heart on there. It's unedited. It's raw. Um, and that's been some of my best writing. Um, but I also write like other articles for people on there too. Gotcha. So would you recommend like journaling for people? Cause you, you were mentioning it's unedited, it's raw. I can just let stuff out and that my mind went right to journaling. Would that be like a, yeah. If you've never tried free flow journaling before, it's so powerful. Uh, yeah. And I know most people are afraid of their thoughts and things like that, but if you never really acknowledge them, you're going to be stuck in what's called an open loop. And when you have open loops that causes stress, that causes anxiety. So you want to close those loops by getting it out of your head and into paper or getting it out of your head and onto your phone, a voice memo, getting it out of your head and talking to someone. That's how you close those loops. 
Yeah, no, that's good. I write. So I write for fun. I write some articles and then I write science fiction and fantasy and kind of just write my own world, but it's just, it's Mm -hmm. therapy. So like, I'm not a great journal. Like I can write in journal, but I I, I like more to write stories and it might just be because I don't want to close my loops yet. I don't know. We'll see. Sure. Yeah. Whatever (laughs) works, man. Writing. It just, I think so. You know, I was listening to something the other day. I heard uh, Francis Weller. He's like a like this amazing guy that does soul work and stuff. And he was saying, there's a story about um, ancient warriors and before they could become a warrior, they went through this initiation phase and it was words, poetry, creative art, and then like war-based stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I'm a Marine. Imagine if I learned art and poetry before I learned how to shoot, like, is that a Marine anymore? But like he had a good point. He had a good point because we are we are conditioned to believe like that we are machines in a certain way. And in that aspect, we lose the the whole point of being human. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, and it makes me think I'm a history nut. So like I think the Spartans did some stuff like that too um, with it. But maybe it was back then they wanted to keep the humanity a little bit because you're doing hand to hand combat, super intensive, gonna mind fuck you there's no other way to put it um so maybe the art the poetry all the other stuff is one of the ways that they thought to i don't know keep them sane yeah i mean i think you're right different times call for different measures right like i couldn't imagine like world war ii or, or world war one like are going in and be like wait i need to pull up my journal right now and write and create some amazing art no like you had to develop a mental resiliency and trust to like enter the unknown. Right. But mm-hmm. somehow we've lost our ability to be in touch with our hearts too. And yeah. we are human. And so like the height of the human experience is some of the, is to feel the pain and to feel the things like crying is both painful, powerful and powerful because you're allowing yourself to do that. And it's, it's shedding things that need to come through. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that that's, again, as a man, things that are hard, like I'm a lot better at it now, but there was like probably a 13 year period where I didn't cry at all. Like just oh, did too. not cry at all. I didn't and, cry for the death uh, for the birth of my daughter for my, what, like there's so many different things. It's insane. Yeah. But then you hit that point, then all of a sudden it comes out and it floods and it's like, holy crap. And now I'll be watching like a show. Cause I have a daughter that's six and a cartoon will make me cry sometimes. And I'm like, what is going on? But it's just that process. I, I yeah, think it's that too. kind of it's a, it's a relationship it's and it's also uh I think it's strong to do that right yeah yeah I think it's just it's because we well you're close to my age so I'm a little bit older but we grew up in that stage where men had to act a certain way and now our generation is starting to redefine what we really want to be as a man you don't have to be the big macho guy all the time yeah. And it, honestly, it's so much more powerful when you connect with other men to do it. That's mm-hmm. the difference. Like men felt, uh, I think we've been trained to be isolated, which created this whole like lone wolf, I'm a survivor, things like that. And yes, like winning in life, like to get the things you want in life do require isolation, do require those things, but it also requires a team, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Some of the greatest athletes in the world had a team behind them, right? And yeah. so that's what I have learned. Like even in the Marine Corps, I had a team and we felt connected, but we still didn't like honor, like what we were feeling. It was like, yeah, whatever, you know, yeah. <laughs> next, next one, next one. That makes sense. I was a warrior. We don't need mm-hmm. that, but, but this is real life. 
I have a daughter, right? And being hardened almost took, like made me take my life. Yep. You know, you have to find that balance for sure. I think the, the birth of my youngest is what really shifted my mindset with it. Cause it was in go, 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 go. And then we find out we were pregnant because I have two that are older. Um, oh, we have two that are older. And then when she was born, I was like, holy crap, what's really important mm. to me? Is it important to me to work seven to seven so I can be the number one person or can I figure out how to fix time so that I can spend time with them? And once I shifted that, here's the crazy thing. I make more money in sales now. I have more free time because I've figured out, for lack of better words, my containers on that. What I need to do instead of, I don't have to grind from seven to seven. I don't have to be Gary V or someone that, you know, that they like it. That's great for them. You have to find what works for you and for your family yeah. and for your stuff. And I think like for entrepreneurs listening out there, like, okay, I'll be honest with myself. Like, restructuring this whole entire life to stop everything to write a book like that hurts like the little voice in my head is like you have an mba you're 37 years old you're you were in a ton of debt from divorce like go get a real job and be a man right that little voice inside is still going mm -hmm. right i can listen to that voice and probably have a pretty good life right Maybe. Or, or I can choose to listen to my heart, no matter how hard this struggle is and how painful it is, which it is, by the way, and be happy as fuck. Yep. Yep. And that's <laughs> I'll tell you what, like, I am, I am happy. Like, I'm really happy. And don't get me wrong. There are days where I'm like, this sucks because it mm -hmm. does. Like, I, I had to drop everything. I had to start everything. Like, I dropped a, like, I was an air traffic controller. I was a successful coach in the, in the fitness world, like all these things. I dropped it all. I just stopped it all, everything. And so here I am trusting my heart because I know that inside, like I only have one life mm -hmm. and either I'm going to live in the direction of my heart and dream or someone else's dreams. I don't want to live someone else's dreams anymore. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. That reminds me of like, you, everyone talks about the, the guy in the arena, just a speech following your heart. And yeah. that reminds me of it. I'd rather get bloodied going after doing what I feel I'm called to do and enjoying life than to be stuck in what someone says I should do. And for years I did it for years. Like, just like you said, we get stuck in those little boxes of in our twenties, we do what we think people should think we should do in our thirties. We kind of question it, but we still follow it. By the time you get to your forties, you either make the decision to change or you die. Maybe you don't die physically, but you, you just, you don't grow or move forward anymore. And I, I don't want to do that. And I, you definitely don't. like when you said that, and this just made me happy. When you said that I, I have this voice that's saying this, but then when you lit up and said what you're going after, your whole face changed. It just like lit up. It was great. Yeah. It was like, like I could see the change on, yeah, this is what they want me to do, but this is what I'm going to do. And I commend you for that. Like that was, that just made me happy. And it's hard because like, I honestly have no clue, like, like most of us, but I have no clue what's happening right now. Really. I really don't like I'm, I'm building a new brand. I wrote a book. Like it's all, I'm meeting all these amazing people and I'm just trusting my heart, man. And that's and, good. Uh, this doesn't mean like now for all those listening, like, cool, I'm just going to trust my heart and stop. No, no. Like, like we need to survive, right? Yes. We, we yes. have to survive. So like, if you're out there, like, and you're in, in there feeling the, the, the heaviness of life in this career that you're absolutely despised, like what I tell everybody and what a lot of people say is you're going to have to do some dedicated work here when you're tired, mm -hmm. right? 
don't just quit your job if you have no plan, right? Right. Like no, start do to that. build that plan on the side while you're living that miserable. So use that miserable life to pay for the dreams that you want to create, right? Does that make sense? Oh, totally. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now. Like literally yeah. what I'm doing right now. I have a day job. I'm not quitting my day job, but I'm doing a podcast. I started a coaching business. I'm doing different stuff that makes my heart sing. It makes me feel more alive. And I think that's the thing we just need to give ourselves permission to do and be. But yeah, have a plan, reverse engineer it and, and you know, walk it out and adjust it. And sometimes less is more. I've learned that. Yes. That one, like George, you know, GB, right? Yep. I, I was with him and went to his seminar in April. And like, I had this book and all this stuff. And I was like, man, I'm pretty good with all this, like emotional work and stuff. Like the first day was like, embrace pain, avoid suffering, all these things. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, dude, I came here for you to tell me what to do, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I'm, in, I'm, 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 embr I'm embracing my pain. I'm, I'm avoiding, yep. I, you know, I'm not suffering anymore. He's like, yeah, he's like, but you're doing all the things that you're doing because it's easy. Mm -hmm. He's like, less is more. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, and so now I started talking about my book. I started doing less, right? Like I, I could work after our podcast, mm -hmm. but it's going to be seven, seven 30. I've been working since 5.00 AM. I, this is my fifth, sixth podcast today. I had a few coaching calls for what to do work. That's subpar. Right. Yeah. You don't want to no. do that. No, no. Yeah. And I think so. that's the thing we have to understand. And, and I love GB. Like I met him at a, not at his master or not at his event, but a buddy of mine's event and wrecked my world, had me crying. I'm like, holy crap. I don't even know this dude. He comes in, he's there and just makes me open up. Um, but yeah, I just lost my train of thought on that one. Sorry. <laughs> I got thinking uh, about we're, talking about, we're talking about less is more. Yeah. Less is more. Right. And I've actually applied that. And since then, I've hit quota for the year in my sales job. I've had more time with my family. I've gone on trips that I hadn't gone on in years. I've shifted from money mindset to legacy family. What do I really want out of life? Because once you make money, you get to a certain point. You can only buy so much. You can only do so much with it. But who are you impacting? Who are you helping? What are you experiencing You know, in life? Yeah. It's so powerful. And that's honestly why I wrote this book because I felt called. I mean, I wasn't sleeping some nights. Like this is cool. My wall is still like has large post-it notes, you know, those sticky notes, yep. like whiteboard notes. There's like eight sheets with like lines and words. I can't read them now because I wrote so fast, but when I was going through it, it was, it was like outlining my story in my book. And those are staying up there for a little bit um, because I look back and I'm like, man, I did that. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I had to like recreate that. And uh, so I wrote that book because I was called to do it every morning. Some nights I couldn't sleep when I was out with friends doing dinner. Like I, I, it's like, man, I had an idea, I jotted in my phone. It was just called. Mm -hmm. And it's like something within like pulled me to do that. And um, that's how I got here today. Like I won't stop now. I write poetry all the time, post it on media. Sometimes two people read, sometimes one person reads. I don't really care. Mm hmm. Because I'm doing what my heart says. Yes. And that's what I love. Like I with doing the lives of doing stuff like that. I'm with you. It's, it's not about who does it. It's about living how your heart feels, what yeah. who you can touch, what you can do and expressing it. So again, because some people might've missed the beginning, where can they sign up for your pre-launch on your book? Yeah. So right now um, this is going to come down in a few weeks. 
uh, actually, so this will be, you said it will come out in September. Yeah. So just, uh, you can go to the art of tough transitions.com and, um, you can get everything there or just find me on Instagram, which is underscore George Calantis. Right. But the, the book will have its own, uh, URL and it's going to be nowhere to go book.com. That's awesome. Cool. So I have this one question I always like to ask. If you listen to my podcast, you'll know it. If not, it'll be a surprise, but it's a fun one. So you can go back in time as far as you want. You can go forward in time as far as you want. You get to be there for one year. You get to meet and be with one person, learn whatever you want from them and stay for one year. Then you get to come back here. Where would you go and what would you learn? Hmm. I can go back as far as far as, as, as you want. want. Yep. As far as time as you want, talk to anyone you want to. There's no limits on this. <laughs> that's a, that's a cool question, actually. Um, you know, I think like, even though it's a fictional character, like I'd go hang out with the, the great Gatsby. Oh, that would be cool. I like that show. Yeah. Like it's a great movie. It's a great story. So I want to know like, what's in this guy's head because like he had everything but inside he was miserable right mm -hmm. and so that's what how i felt for a long time like created this massive facet like faucet like all this stuff and in, inside all i wanted to be was loved and i had this awesome girl i couldn't receive love because i didn't believe it and all these things and and i partied and did all the things so like i would want to go back and to get that and to even go deeper maybe even meet fitzgerald and see what was going through his mind when he wrote that story yeah, that would be cool. No, no, that that's cool. You're the first person to give me that answer. I've gotten a lot of people saying, hey, I want to talk to myself or go in the future and talk to myself or talk to a grandparent. I think someone wanted to go in the future and talk to someone so they could learn how to cook. I'm, I guess they weren't a good cook, but that was cool. <laughs> that was cool. So yeah, it's uh, just something different, right? Yeah, because well, yeah, it, it, it is like I, I, I have so many different people I would go back in history and talk to. But then there's times when they say, I would want to go into the future and be like, well, how does it end? What does it look like? What did my life look like? You know, I don't, that's just how my mind works. Um, so last thing, I always love to ask this too. So say people only get to hear this next five minutes and you can go longer than that if you want to. What would you tell someone? What would be like your inspiration to them to, to make it through life, to go on, to find themselves, whatever it is, what would be your reach out to my podcast mm, like my phrases like what would it say i always say like give yourself permission to be all of who you are take a deep breath close your eyes and just listen to your heart that's good that's really good and the reason why i say that one i wrote a poem called the search on that but two is most of us are are running our minds are running we're always worried about this this and this but the center point of all life happens the moment we're giving a breath and so if we can become aware of when we're feeling frenzied lost stuck whatever close our eyes place our hands on our heart take a few deep breaths you can instantly change your state and your breath is the only thing that allows you to do that wow that's that's really good Man, I've had a blast with having you on the podcast, George. Thank you for being on. I really appreciate you being here, man. Yeah, and this is a blast. I'm, I'm glad we met inside the group. Uh, I look forward to, you know, the next few months. I think uh, the group is growing, which makes it a lot of fun. And uh, GB's been on fire. So 
Yeah, cool. no, it's it's been great. It's been great. Thank you, everyone, for listening in to another episode of the 150K podcast, where we help take you from your dreams to six figures and beyond. Uh, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you like it. Likes, comments, all that stuff. I read them. I love them. Let me know what you think. And until next time, have a great, wonderful day.